In Psalm 126, it says, When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord have done great things for them. The Lord have done great things for us. Whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask, Lord, that you would give clarity in the preaching of your word, that um, we would be blessed by your word, that we would be stirred, be motivated, inspired by your word. And Lord, whatever your will that it accomplish, we ask, Lord, that it would be done. And we thank thee and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Psalm 126 here. Here we see um, Israel um, singing a psalm about at one time when um, um, there's been times where they've been um, in captivity. They've been in captivity um, in Egypt um, for, for some time. And then the Lord delivered them from that. Um, then we saw that they, um, many of them were in captivity in Babylon. And in the Lord freed them from that. We see various times when they've been in captivity. And, um, but, and like what here, we see Israel speaks of that their captivity had been great. Yet the Lord's deliverance, God's deliverance, had been greater than even their own captivity. <coughs> It was so wonderful of a deliverance. They said, we were like them that dream. The deliverance. It had been so great. It didn't even seem like reality was happening. They felt as if they were in a daze. That they were dreaming. They thought it was but mere fantasy and imagination. You ever have things happen in life like that? Man, life's just going so great at the moment. That it's like, man, am I dreaming? Maybe you pinch yourself and you're like, I'm still awake. And so, well, you ever realize, you know, if you were in a dream and in your dream you pinch yourself, it still wouldn't wake you up. That's just thought, just thought right now. Because you wouldn't really feel it if it was a fake pinch. But, you know, sometimes in real life, Life can be going so good that it feels like a dream. Like you imagine, man, Israel having been in captivity, been slaves, been held hostage, and yet they're delivered, and they feel like it's but a dream. Well, then it goes on. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. It hit them. This is real. And they rejoice. 
that that God had done great things for them. So full were they of joy that they could not contain themselves, that they must express their joy, and yet they could not find expression for it. It was just so wonderful. And that then said among the heathen, I mean the pagans, I mean those that rejected God, I mean amongst those that did not believe in God, I mean amongst those that bow down and worship idols, to all of them, they said amongst themselves, the Lord have done great things for them. They saw God's hand in their life. Man, you see them rejoicing. We see, we see them singing. And the heathens see that. And they saw that they were held captive. Talk about Pharaoh and the Egyptians when they held Israel in captivity. They saw God deliver the Israelites. There we see that, that the Israelites, they're stuck between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army. And, and, and they're coming after them. And we see, why did God harden Pharaoh's heart? It was that all the earth may know that He is the Lord. See, initially, Pharaoh already had a hard heart. And so that God did all the, the, the ten plagues, and it would harden his heart to not let the people go. To show His power. And what we see is that God divided the Red Sea up. And Israel went across, not on even muddy ground. The Bible says dry ground. They walked across. And the Egyptian army continues to come. The Hebrews, they get, they get to the other side. And then the waters come clashing down. Drowning the Egyptian army. You know what modernists, skeptics, those try to say, you know what, this never happened in the Bible. That the ground that the Israelites walked across was really just a couple of inches deep. Like two to four inches deep. But you know what, that would be a miracle too, that a whole Egyptian army would drown in two to four inches of water. So either way, it had been a miracle. But I'll take the Bible's account, where God's Word, that the waters were as a wall, and they came clashing down. But if a whole army drowned in a few inches of water, that's indeed a miracle too. And so we see the Egyptians, they saw that! And man, the Egyptians would have heard about that, um, the rest of them. And we see that even the loss, they saw the good that was in other people's lives. They saw the joy. They saw the peace. They saw God deliver them. And you talk about, you know what, the Lord who carried away the nations, you know, God is sovereign, had never in any other instance that I'm aware of restored a people to their ancient dwelling place. Bringing people from all over, bringing them back to the land of Israel. And um, we'll see, that's going to, um, we saw in 1948, Israel again has got his people coming and coming to be there. And as the Bible says in Romans 11, that, you know, what the Jews, many of the Jews that are without Christ, they're rejecting Christ. Um, and the Bible does call them enemies of the gospel. 
because of their workspace salvation, but yet it says they're still to be loved for the Father's sakes. And so that God still has a plan um, for them, and we see that there will be a remnant in Romans 11 where we see all Israel shall be saved. Go ahead and turn you Ezekiel 36. And while you're turning there, we see, um, we see okay, the heathen saying the Lord have done great things for them. And they end up saying, yes, the Lord have done great things for us, whereof we are glad. And I'm in Psalm 126. I'm not in Ezekiel yet. But we see that they're acknowledged. Yes, God has done great things for us. And it says, turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in um, the south. And Ezekiel 36, verse 16. Whoops, I just lost my spot. Whoops. Ezekiel 36 and verse 16. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. Their, what was, their way was before me is the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore, I poured my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for the idols whereof they had polluted it. And I scattered them among the heathen and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way and according to their doings, I judged them. We see Israel throughout its history, you know, idolatry, um, you know, we see them worshiping the golden calf. We see all these different things where um, they turn to their wickedness, uh, um, not anything different than us turning to wickedness. Um, but we see that God scattered them. He spread them apart in all many countries. And there would be, that there would be times where in history where there was no Israel. And but then it says, and when they entered unto the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said to them, these are the people of the Lord and, on, and are gone forth out of his land. So I like, saying they're a mockery that they're saying that, you know, what, they're God's people. But they're saying they're, the heathen are saying, you know what, your God must have abandoned you then. Because, man, you know what, you're driven out of your land. You're driven out of where you come from. And so in a way, they're taking the Lord's name in vain. That they're claiming to be God's people when they're profaning His name. Where, when, and we see that God does end up removing them from the land. And this wasn't um, because God abandoned them, but because God was chastening um, them. And we see in verse 21, But I had pity... For mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, 
I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, when ye have profaned among the heathen, whither ye went. And I will sanctify my great name, which was profane among the heathen, when ye have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Time out of time, there would be a time where Israel would, that the Lord God would be sanctified in their eyes. He goes, for I will take you from among the heathen and gather you out of all countries and will bring you into your own land. Then will I sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean from all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you, and the new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statues, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will also save you from all your uncleanness, and I will call for the corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. You know, you see, you know, throughout different passages, the millennial kingdom, when Christ comes back to rule with a rod of iron and to rule in the, in the land of Jerusalem, in the city of Jerusalem, that we see that there would, there would no, be no more famine. I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase of the field, that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Not for your sakes do I this, saith the Lord God, be it known unto you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the waste shall be builded. Like all the wastelands, every word that says, they would be rebuilt. And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. Then the heathen that are left around about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that which was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus say of the Lord God, I will yet for this be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. I will increase them with men like a flock. It's the holy flock, it's the flock of Jerusalem in their solemn feast. So shall the waste cities be filled with flocks of men, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So we see one again prophesied, and we see um, will be fulfilled. That you know what Israel have been scattered, and yet that they'd be brought back, and that we see that God will bring a great deliverance. That God does cause this time to be a period of chastening, 
The Bible calls it Jacob's trouble, where God, the sovereign God, uses even the wicked to accomplish his purpose. And that we will see that all nations of the world, so if the United States is still a nation, then even the United States will become an enemy to the people of Israel. And that everybody will become and come and then... Christ will come back and we'll see that Christ will then deliver the enemies. And we see that Israel, there'll be a remnant that sees Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as the Christ, the anointed one. And then they will loathe, they will look back on their history of being a Christ rejecters. They'll mourn for it. They see the sin that they've done throughout the centuries. And we see that God does it for His name's sake. For His honor. To show His grace. To show His mercy. And to show the heathen that He is the Lord God. You know, apply this. Also, I'm going to read a quote too. But you know, there is even a greater deliverance than being delivered from national enemies. And that is the deliverance of the soul. A deliverance of the soul. And that's in sin, in bondage, in addictions, and, and just in a state where they're always in, having sin have dominion over them. And yet God could bring deliverance. That God could bring joy. That God could bring peace. That God alone could deliver from sins. And that's why Jesus came to die on the cross um, for our sins. Because only He could be our deliverer. He is the one that delivers us from the penalty of sin itself as well. Um, where we could have redemption. Um, a uh, man said this, For what great matter was it for these people of the Jews, being as it were a little handful, to be delivered out of temporal captivity, in comparison of the exceeding and incomparable deliverance whereby mankind was set at liberty from the power of their enemies, not temporal, but eternal, even from death, Satan and hell himself. Wherefore, we take this psalm to be a prophecy of the redemption that should come by Jesus Christ and the publishing of the gospel, whereby the kingdom of Christ is advanced and death and the evil with all the powers of darkness are vanquished. And where sin does abound, so much does God's grace. And so we see that these promises to Israel were literal, but we also see an application for all of mankind to be delivered from eternal death. And that, you know, our lives should be transformed by Christ so much that even the lost, when they see your life, they're able to testify, man, God is with them. Man, that person really knows God. They really know the Lord. And stuff. It's an awesome thing to see when the lost see the joy of a child of God. That God's truly with them. You know, the Lord have done great things for us whereof we are glad. The Bible also says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let us not be ashamed to give testimony of what the Lord has done. And as they said, we could say as well, we were like them that dream. 
Salvation is not just a dream. It is not just a myth. People may tell you that you're just dreaming. Well, dream on. Keep on dreaming. It's one day we will awake and see Him face to face. You know, in Acts 12, go ahead and go there. Acts 12, verse 5. I'm going to go ahead and start reading, but I wouldn't turn. Acts chapter 12, verse 5. Just Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. But prayer was made without season of the church and knew God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and the light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself. And bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. <clears throat> and he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true which was done by the angel. But thought he saw a vision. Man, all these things just happened to Peter. And he thought, this must be a vision. This must be like a dream. Think about, think about, Peter was being imprisoned by Herod. He was delivered by an angel, for all the light did shine in the prison. Though the angel did smite him on the side and told him to raise him up. Raise him up. Though the angel caused the chains to fall off his hands. Though he spake three times, one saying, Arise quickly, gird thyself, and cast thy garment about thee. Though he conducted him safely by the watches, those that are watching over him, and though he caused the iron gates to open willingly, yet for all this he was like unto a dream. It was just a vision. He's like thinking, this, must, this can't be real. You know, that's what salvation is like. It's real. But if you really think about it, it's amazing. Anything about when you first got saved, if you're a born-again believer, you've put your faith in Christ, that you're now redeemed, that you now are no longer under condemnation for your sin, for your guilt or any of it, but you're redeemed, you're made a new creature in Christ. Let's keep dreaming, amen? Let, Let it be in your imagination, you know, and dream big dreams for the church, having faith. You know, again, some of these are the things I've said four years ago. And this is one of the things I said um, just after being here for a couple months. Um, that wouldn't be a blessing to see our church um, double in size this time next year. And at the time, you know, the, the church did enough double and uh, more than double and at that time. And so first, um, there were 14 members here. Um, when we came and we saw God do mighty works and stuff. We're a little bit low today, but we've seen God do mighty works um, here in this church. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Jesus would build his church. He just asked us to be faithful. He asked us to dream on, to have a vision for where to... There is no vision the people perish where there's no open vision of the Word of God. 
the people perish. Dream big. You know, the Lord could double the church again. You know, Matthew twenty-one twenty-two says, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Proverbs eleven thirty, good verse to circle underline. It says, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that win of souls is wise. He that win of souls is wise. Someone that possesses great wisdom is someone that wins souls. You know, we see that at different times how God delivered Israel from captivity. And we see that God wants to save the soul. But God wants to use you to help deliver souls. He that went of souls is wise. God wants to use you and I to bring them to Christ. To win them over to Jesus. Numerical growth of a church is not the main goal. Glorifying Christ is. If growth was the main goal, then we could do all kinds of entertainment to try and draw people in. But we are trying to draw people in by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes in one aspect, it could be unhealthy to be focused on the numbers where like pastors maybe go and brag to other pastors, say, oh yeah, we got this many people in our church. You know what? That could be a sense of pride. But you could also brag about the numbers in a good sense. And man, you know what? 25 people got saved this week or this year. No, we should be about numbers. We should be about numerical growth in the church. Now, the main goal is glorifying Christ. So the way we try and draw or reach more people is through glorifying Christ. And he said to teach all nations, baptizing them, telling them to observe whatsoever things he has commanded. And that's going to be our focus is the church and getting the gospel out. But that means, you know, if we're to teach all nations, Jesus is interested in the, his church growing. You know, it is Jesus that gave the parable um, to talk about, about, um, about this wedding that was going on. And then that they, they were told to go invite guests to the wedding. And yet, they, and people did not, didn't come. And then he went to go tell other people, and they didn't come. And then he said, you know what? Go out into the highways and the byways and compel them that they may come in. And as Jesus says, that my father's house may be full. Souls matter. And that's where you need to strive to win them. You know, like Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. You know, let's have faith, not doubt. You know what? Let's, let's strive. You know what? Let's strive to reach, um, get the church to be over 100 people by next year or sooner. Have a dream. Have, have, have a vision. Say, Pastor, you're just dreaming. Well, let me dream on. Amen? And, you know, if we don't have 100 more or, or 100 people, you know, we'll continue to follow Christ, seek His face, to occupy till He comes, and keep dreaming. You know, many missionaries of the past labored for years before they saw much fruit. 
But don't tell me they didn't keep dreaming during those times of spiritual famine. Those times where things seemed small. They had a vision. They kept dreaming of the things that God would one day do in the foreign lands that they go to. If they had not been dreaming, they likely wouldn't have had any fruit. Adonai Judson. He went to Burma as a missionary. He didn't go there to get wealth. He didn't go there to get a name for himself. He desired to please his Lord and that souls would know Jesus Christ as their Savior. But you know, it took six years, six years before his first convert came to know Christ. Six years. But man, in his ministry from there, continued to grow. Souls were added um, to, to, to the book of life. A young boy asked Judson in regards to a gospel tract that he found. And he, he had in his hand. Um, and he says, sir, we have seen writing that tells us of eternal God. Are you the man that gives them away? Are you the Jesus Christ man? Not asking if he's Jesus Christ, but asking him, are you the man that talks about Jesus? Are you the man that printed these out and they're passing them out? The Jesus Christ man. No, that's, no, that's why we were first called Christians in Antioch. We were followers of Christ. So, you know, if man, if that boy's life was made to impact from a gospel track, don't think that these John and Romans won't, can't have an impact today. The Word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Um, discerning between... Um, the, or, I can't remember the rest, but some of you know what verse I'm quoting from. But you know, I notice in Psalm 126. Go back to Psalm 126. Psalm 126 says in verse 5, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed. You know, the Word of God is called the incorruptible seed. In sowing, you know, any farmer knows there are great pains. The land must be first tilled. It must be dressed. And there is pains in casting the seed into it. And then it takes a great dressing all the year um, before it is set in the barnyard. And it's not every growing, it's not every sowing of seed that is insured against all danger. And guaranteed a harvest. But the promise specially belongs in sowing in tears. How about a spiritual harvest? When a man's heart is so stirred up for the loss that he weeps for their souls. Weeps over their sin, the destruction they're going through. He is then moved to usefulness. Winners of souls are first to be weepers of souls. 
You know, the problem today is many Christians live as if there is no hell. They live their life as there is no lake of fire. Now, granted, okay, you're saved. You don't got to worry about going there. What about your friends? What about your family? What about even the people you don't like? You know what? what, Rather than have a heart, oh, I'd rather them go there. Have the heart of weeping for them. Man, the transformation that will happen to them if they are saved. Now we see that God reconciles His enemies through the person of Jesus Christ. When our own hearts are broken with grief, in man's sin we shall break other men's hearts. Tears of earnestness will beget tears of repentance. Now, one of the mightiest soul winners, um, this is something R.A. Torrey said. He said, I ever knew was Colonel Clark of Chicago. He would work at his business six days every week, and every night in the week, the year round, five or six hundred men would gather together in that mission hall. It was the motley crowd, drunkards, thieves, pickpockets, gamblers, and everything that was hopeless. I used to go and hear Colonel Clark talk. And he seemed to me one of the dullest talkers I have ever heard in my life. He would ramble along, and yet these five or six hundred men would lean over and listen spellbound while Colonel Clark talked in his prosy way. Some of the greatest preachers in Chicago used to go down to help Colonel Clark, but the men would not listen to them as they did to Colonel Clark. When he was speaking... They would lean over and listen and be converted by the score. I could not understand it. I studied it and wondered what the secret of it was. That just this dual talker, this monotone speaker, and yet hundreds would come to faith in Christ through his preaching. Because why did these men listen with such interest? And why were they so greatly moved by such prosy talking? I found the secret. It was because they knew that Colonel Clark loved them. And nothing conquers like love. The tears were very near the surface with Clark. Once in the early days of the mission, when he had been weeping a great deal over these men, he got ashamed of his tears. He stilled his heart and tried to stop his crying. Perhaps maybe some other preachers were kind of mocking, like, oh, why are you always crying? You know, are you just trying to manipulate people? And you know what? He succeeded at stopping weeping. But he lost his power. He saw that his power was gone, and he went to God and prayed, oh, God, give me back my tears. And God gave him back his tears and gave him wonderful power. Marvelous power over these men. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing in his sheaves with him. You know, we must be going out and sowing the Word of God. But let's go out with tears. Let's go out with caring for them, weeping over them. You talk about the woman at the well. Jesus gave her of the water of life himself. She went about telling all the men in the city about Jesus. She was sowing the word. 
Bible says many did not believe. But yet many believed because of the testimony of the woman. And then later, many believe after they came to hear the Christ that she talked about. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You know, you talk about the sower. You look at his activity, and it says he goeth forth. His humility, did that he weepeth. His fidelity in barren precious seed. The joyful reaper. This certain harvest time shall doubtless come again. His abundant joy, we see, is with rejoicing. And his rich rewards, bringing his sheaves with him. Bringing souls to Jesus Christ. We must sow with tears. If we don't sow, there will be no harvest. If there are no tears of compassion, there will be no harvest. But those that do sow with tears, the Bible says, shall doubtless come back again with rejoicing. Daniel 12.1 says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was the nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Everyone shall be found written in the book, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. I'm just those that turn many to righteousness. And you know, one of the rewards in heaven is that they are going to shine as the brightest of stars. How bright is your star going to be? Is it going to be kind of dull, kind of dim? Or is it going to be bright? In Peru, high in the Andes Mountains, a missionary had gone there and won some of the people to Christ. Poor people, people in great poverty. If you could get a wage, it would be seven cents a day. Most of the people were illiterate. They could not read. They didn't even know how to count. They couldn't count sheep. What they would do, because they couldn't count, is they would take rocks, and when the sheep would go out of their location and go out further in the field, they would lay a rock out. Put a rock out, another sheep would go. They would then lay another rock, another rock out, and the sheep go. And then at night, when the sheep would come back, they would gather the rocks back. Every time a sheep would come back, they would take the rocks back. And that is how they knew if all their sheep were back. And if they still had rocks left over, they knew there were some sheep that were lost. And they went out looking for the lost. A young couple got led, by the, led to the Lord by the missionary. And, and that young couple, um, the man, he brought his grandmother to the meeting. And grandma got saved. All of a sudden, after she got saved, she disappeared. Nobody could find her. They were looking for her for days. And she was a rather older lady as well. 
And, and, and the people search for throughout the village. They look for hours. They look outside of the um, village. They look for days. And after many days, they gave up. Grandma must be dead. Lady must be dead. Then one time someone started shouting, Hey, it's Granny! It's Granny! The grandson came to her and asked her, Grandma, where in the world have you been? She said, Well, I've been on the other side of the mountain. What have you been doing on the other side of the mountain? Her grandson says. She said, Well, when I learned that he was still alive, speaking of Christ, when I realized that he was still alive and that he lived up there beyond the clouds, I knew that a lot of my old friends didn't know that he was still alive. So I thought I needed to go back over there and tell them that he was alive. So I did. I knew you wouldn't let me go over there, so I just went by myself. I went on the other side of the mountain. I told him that he is still alive and that he is up there and he is going to come back one day and get everybody that prays to him and take them with him. Well, Granny, did anybody get down and pray asking Jesus to be their Savior? She said, well, I knew you were going to ask that. And you know I don't know how it count. So as everyone would get down to pray, I would take a stick of hay and I would put it in a pile. Someone else would get down and pray over there. I would take a piece of hay and I would just keep doing that. I don't know how many are here, but here is my bundle. And then there was someone that would say, a boy count. And there were 68 pieces. 68 souls. 68 people that got down and prayed, asking for Jesus to forgive them of their sin, put in their faith, their trust in His death, His burial, and His resurrection because Grandmother went with tears to sow the Word of God on the other side of the mountain. You know, I believe God would be more impressed with how big our bundle could be than He is about a good sermon that is preached. I think He'd be more impressed than He is about maybe a Sunday school lesson the teacher would teach. More than that, more than how much remodeling we do on our church buildings, more than how many scripture verses or songs we memorize, I think more important than any of those things will be how big is your bundle. Now, I understand, you know, we can't force people to get saved, okay? We can't just say, bam, you're going to get saved now, okay? But the Bible says, you go and sow with tears, weeping, genuinely caring, that you will doubtless come back again, being able to bring your sheaves with you. This week, we scheduled a time. As a church, we are going to go out and sow the Word of God, to bring God's Word to homes. That grandmother, Went all the way on the other side of the Andes Mountains alone. 
We're just going to be in downtown Chehalis. I believe we could have a good group, good-sized group. We commit to going where we could go and sow the word and pray. Notice you dropped a Bible at people's home. Pray that God will use that. And April 2nd, we have another people coming to help us to go soul winning. Where we'll be planning on sharing the gospel with people. Every time we go, people don't come. Every time we go, people don't get saved. You know what? Every time a farmer plants seed, every seed doesn't grow. But we stay faithful. Continue to do it. And we don't just do it just as a work in the flesh, just a work of the duty. Boom, I've done my duty. But genuinely do it because we care. We have compassion. Man, what great deliverance God could bring in their lives. You know, you may have people, neighbors, man, just consumed by their sin. Consumed with hatred, whatever. Their soul could be delivered. So you went out. Share the word of God. I encourage you to take several of these too. Take them out with you. Give them new people. But Monday through Friday this week, we're going to have an organized outreach from 4 to 5.30. And we're going to go out in Chehalis and just get these out. I encourage you to come for that. I encourage you to come to the soul winning on April 2nd. And maybe, maybe you know, there are some that maybe legitimately can't do a lot of walking. You know, maybe you could come and help prepare the lunch, help prepare um, the dinner. If anything, you know what? You could pray. You know what? Pray. Pray that souls will be saved when we go out. Let's go ahead and spend some time in prayer. Norma, if you go ahead and come play the organ, please. Just pray. Now ask God to use you to be a soul winner. It's God who used you to sow the word. During this time of invitation, use this time to also get your heart right as we'll be taking the Lord's table shortly. Just ask the Lord. Cleanse your heart. If there's any ought you have with a brother or sister in Christ, let's seek to make amends before we regather for community.
Dear Heavenly Father, help us to increase the size of our bundle. Help us to be able to lay aside a piece of hay, a piece of grass that represents every soul. People coming to know you as their Savior. I guess we know not everything, every seed we give out is going to sprout. But we know it will accomplish your will. Or help us to have a big bundle. Help us to be wise. Now, we don't see wisdom defined in Scripture as just having some great knowledge or some great academics. But we see the wise win souls. That turn many to righteousness and shall shine as the brightest of stars in the firmament. Lord, help us to be those. Yes, you said the harvest truly is great. The harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Lord, help us to be the few 